0: Not always, but
1: I'm Summertime and the living's easy. Polly's on the microphone with us three. All the bozos on the bus will agree that we're well qualified to represent the SLC. Polly and three, we're going to run to recovery. Dance to wholeheartedness. lit gets harder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. and was like a little <laughs> bit iffy. Yeah,
1: I wanted to say it gets better. Or we, or let's get better is what I should have said. Yeah. Let's get better.
3: That was that was epic either way.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host Paul Randek, and it has been five months. Since uh, gotten and done a podcast So um, today we have a round table And I'm going to have our f- friends go around and introduce themselves If you would be so kind as to uh, tell us who you are And gee, not why you're here, but <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite S- color?
3: I'm Sarah Robotham <laughs> My favorite color is black
0: Nice Dark beautiful, Welcome. thank you Beautiful, all right
1: Brent Hansen, favorite color, red.
2: Power. Go
1: Utes. No, go Utes. Uh, go Utes.
0: Utes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> my name is Luke Shunk, and my favorite colors are red and black as well.
0: <laughs> red and black as well. So you got, you got Luke got two today. All right. We want right. to welcome uh, Luke to our panel the first time. Okay. Way to go! Thank you. Yes. It's good to have you here. Um, five months. It's been it's been a while. Um, this has been an interesting five months, especially the last uh, the last two the last two uh, episodes we did. One was with my son in uh, Portland, which she talked about did a kind of a re- Portland recovery episode, which was really a lot of fun to do. And um, and then I think I did one with Adam Smith. And. Uh,
1: It was very good. I enjoyed that. Did you? Yeah. He contacted
0: me afterwards and said, "Um, can can we redo that? I said, said, no, you get we get what we get. So anyway, I thought it was good, too. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Um, So topics today. We are uh, obviously the most obvious one on the table is going to be COVID. And we're going to focus on recovery and COVID. And um, it's been an interesting time for a lot of people uh, around the country, around the world. because this has uh, affected uh, just about everyone in, in almost every community on some level, um, some I'm assuming we all know someone who has struggled with this in some form or another. but uh, let's let's focus and talk a little bit about what we've been doing or what you've been doing as far as how you've been handling and focusing on getting you know getting into a, a level of your recovery where you felt strong and stable. Um, and what the struggles were during that as well. And obviously, we've been doing things a little bit differently than uh, we were, were, you know, pre COVID, or that would be uh, PC, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, it, and maybe when
0: hopefully there will be an, an AC as well. So, <laughs> all right, let's open it up. So, let's talk a little bit about recovery and what you, uh, what were your thoughts and feelings are about this during this time
3: uh, well I feel very grateful to not be in super super early recovery I've thought about that a lot and I give a lot of props to the people who are in early recovery um, during this time I, I look back at myself a few years ago trying to get through the quarantine and through social distancing before I had really figured out some good tools to use and I just imagine it being extremely challenging so I am grateful for the tools and friendships and connections I have in place that definitely helped during the COVID times during my quarantine when work closed and I wasn't seeing many people I stayed connected with Most of my recovery friends during that still do our weekly refuge recovery meeting on Zoom, which keeps me in the loop uh, with those connections. And also Luke here and I spent a lot of time together during COVID, which was very helpful. I think that I live alone. I've got two dogs, but I wasn't seeing many people at all. So that was very important for peace for me. I've noticed when I don't keep up on my meditation or when I've missed a couple weeks of our refuge recovery, it makes a huge difference. Not necessarily in wanting to drink or having triggers to drink, but definitely in my mental health. So that's something I've had to be in check on a lot and keep at the forefront of my mind is, is really been my mental health. I've noticed that I've gotten more anxious. I've gotten forms of you know a bit of depression during this and I got back on anti-anxiety medication when all this started and I've decided to stay on it I didn't want to I was really proud of myself when I got off of it (laughs) and I decided it's not a weakness I had to remind myself of that and I think that's helped through this time a bit as well but it's not you know it, you have to I have to do the work as well there has to be other stuff behind it it can't just be the medication fixes everything so um yeah.
0: no, and it only treats the symptoms as we know exactly
3: so, yes same yeah. thing with if I you know when I gave up drinking <laughs> if I had done nothing else <laughs> then nothing really yeah. would have changed in my you, life you
0: you mentioned um the refuge recover meeting and um and zoom and using zoom so what well, what was the transition like in your experience? And I, I, and you know, Brent's here too, and he can speak to this because the two of you have kind of overseen that. I think that meeting for a while. Um, Brent forever, of course. Well, um, what was it like to make that transition to Zoom? Um, and what what kind of doors have opened because of that, or and what have closed? I guess, yeah, if any.
3: The the pieces I feel that have opened have been the outreach of people from out of state, which has been really beautiful to see people from all over. Last night, I was telling these guys that we had two people from New York, a person from St. Louis, someone from California, and that could never happen at our in-person meetings. So it's been really, really cool to see All these people that need a meeting that might not have one close to them Mm -hmm. and are able to join our meeting, that you know, the time and works for them. We've had a couple that have tried a few different online meetings and keep coming back to ours, which makes us feel good that you know, we're doing something right. The part that's closed that I miss personally is the in person connection. Mm A group of us would usually get together it's our refuge meeting is Saturday night so there's usually a group of us that would go to dinner or do an activity after and that is the piece I think a lot of people are looking forward to getting back to we also had some people drop off that were doing the in-person that decided they didn't want to do the online so you know we may are maybe missing a few people and regulars but for the most part, I feel like it was a pretty easy transition. And for me, even though I do selfishly miss the in-person meetings for some of those reasons, I'm grateful to have something because I still feel uplifted after. I still meditate well during it. I I need it in my life because I did. There was a summer I missed a few weeks in a row for various reasons, and I noticed it affected me in a negative way. So for me, it's it's better than nothing and you still have connections through that and meeting new people as well it's just maybe not quite the same what about you Brent
1: yeah I would say I mean the transition I don't think it was real difficult to do but I mean definitely different and um, you hit on some points you know that uh, some of our regular people that would show up to the in-person meetings don't come to the online meeting um, and that's unfortunate, but again, having our meeting online does open it up to anybody who has a Wi-Fi connection or an internet connection, which is very cool. Um, and I think it's initially, I for me personally, I kind of had to, and this also just had to get uh, acclimating to using Zoom as a way to to run meetings and things. Was you know it, it's there's some awkwardness and there's pa- you know there's pausing and then you know and, and background noise on somebody's uh, you know chat and everything and so like I, I get like that causes me like a little bit of anxiety if things aren't like running exactly smoothly like exactly like I like them to run and, and we had the, the in person meetings pretty dialed in. Things you know? I have
0: control over. Right? Exactly yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we had the in person meetings dialed in pretty well um, and so that took an adjustment for me just like you know let it go it's not a big deal I mean you know because I, I think I put a lot of expectations on myself for or wanting the meeting to be like awesome for everybody and um and if if in, if things aren't running perfectly in my mind then i think all oh, this meetings people aren't going to like this meeting so it's just it's my own issues really uh it has nothing to do with anybody else or uh or the meeting itself but for me that wasn't me personally that was an adjustment just to be able to let it go and hey this meeting is going to play out People are going to get benefit from it, or you know maybe they won't, and that's okay because the amount of people that do get benefit from it, you know, I think far outweigh the people who don't, who who don't get benefit from it. And I think anybody, I would be surprised if anybody who actually. Um, attended uh, an online Zoom refuge recovery meeting, w- was was able to walk away saying they didn't get anything out of the meeting, or it wasn't yeah. uplifted at all. Well, you and know?
0: it wouldn't wouldn't there be some correlation to some people that attended in person maybe not get anything out exactly. Of it. But maybe the chances are higher. I I'm curious because I haven't uh, you know I haven't attended a, a refuge recovery meeting online. Um, what the group meditation is like. Um, that, that was one of the things I thought about. Because you're still doing that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And, and that's sort of the one of the basic f- foundations yeah. of um, refuge recovery or Dharma recovery, whichever yeah. you know, path you go. They're very similar mm-hmm. as far as having that um, group meditation being part of the process
1: yeah that component of it yeah it's uh it took again I took a little bit of adjustment but it's like i just and most people do they just stop their video feed during the meditation so you're able to just check out knowing that you're not you're not worried that somebody's staring at you with your eyes closed you know <laughs> um you just stop your you just stop you cut your video feed and uh and it's just like sitting in a room with you know your eyes closed and hearing somebody guide the meditation you know Mm -hmm. um so that part although a a minor adjustment i would say i think for me personally i'm able to meditate during the online group just as easy as i am in 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 person so that's great to hear i did by
3: myself the first couple weeks when i left my video on not meditating as well though i totally agree i just felt a little self-conscious like what you know am i i don't know why because in the group i mean everyone else is meditating and their eyes are closed Mm -hmm. and when we're in person the person who's guiding the meditation's eyes are also open and they're look you know i mean they
1: they could could be staring at you if you want yeah Yeah. (laughs) you wouldn't know they're
3: staring at me the whole time i know (laughs) they're judging me
1: (laughs) no but um, funny stuff
0: though (laughs) it's it's good things in
3: your head that you come up with and i wasn't So once I start uh, turning the video portion off during it, it's a very, I try and meditate somewhere I would at home anyways. And so it's a pretty comfortable situation. Well, and it
0: makes sense because people, I mean, I I think about it. I don't always close my eyes when I meditate. If I'm doing a walking meditation, definitely don't close my eyes. Right. Um, (laughs) haven't reached that level that I can sense, you know, everything around me. Um, joking, of course. Um, so it would it would fit in the same place that the idea of turning your, you know, the the camera off or whatever, you know, for that moment makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I hadn't even thought yeah. of that. That's, yeah.
1: Yeah. that see. It seems to work well. And um, that's one of the things that during this whole COVID, uh, the the COVID-19 situation that's really helped me in my recovery to be able to stay connected are the Zoom meetings, I think. Um, I agree with Sarah uh, that I am super grateful that I am not in early recovery going through something like this. And I've expressed this before because I feel like the old me would have just used this as another reason to just continue to self-destruct. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, And another excuse as to why. uh, Just a great great reason to jump into the victim mode, (laughs) the victim mentality. Yeah. And self-medicate because of that. And so I'm, I am very grateful that I that I am not in early recovery and I have learned some skills and tools and have been exposed to some uh, things that can help me like refuge recovery and being able to maintain that connection through Zoom and, and our aftercare meetings as well through Zoom. Um, I think that connection point uh, has been has been key for me. The other thing that I've done, too, that's really helped me is I've, I up my meditation game a little bit. I. Before uh, COVID, it was uh, I don't know. It was hit. It was kind of hit or miss. It wasn't a daily practice. It was like you know, four or five times a week. Sometimes three times a week. You know, and uh, and I said I just set a goal. I'm like, look, there's you really don't have any excuse. Uh, that's one thing you want to do is, is. so I've been doing a daily, You know, daily meditation practice, and that's really helped me out a lot. I feel like um, I have a lot more. It's helped me be able to have a lot more acceptance. And also has given me a a higher frustration tolerance in a lot of ways in my life. Um, And so for that, I'm, I'm grateful for. And other than that, I'm pretty much, I kind of am, I'm pretty comfortable just being by myself. I work from home, anyways. And yeah, so that was. Even wasn't, before
0: COVID. Yeah, before you COVID. You were already, this was your lifestyle. This was part pretty of
1: much that, yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, so really wasn't, the only big adjustment was being able to get out and see people, you know, in person <laughs> and make those impersonal connections. And uh, of course, you know, some, some activities also, all, you know, got canceled because of it, you know, softball. We weren't able to start softball season on time, and then also some trips got canceled, and and that sort of stuff. That I look forward to having those events to help me pull me out of my shell. You know, it basically forces me to go be social and make connections, and and um, and and deepen those relationships that I've already established. And so I definitely felt that loss. But again, um, for the most part, I think uh, it's 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 been kind of business as usual for me outside of those things so yeah interesting
2: yeah I mean a couple things so Brent you touched on the fact that you want the zoom meetings to go well and then there's like hiccups in the audio or wi-fi and stuff and I I know you're talking about but then on the flip side when we do the in-person meetings there's there's hiccups on the other side where people walking in late or disruptions that way <laughs> so it's just kind of trading people one set of late. so <laughs> true that's so true you're just kind of trading one set of um you know disturbance if you want to that's kind of a strong word but for another um for me personally um i'm one of the people who i used to go to the refuge in-person meetings and i haven't been going to the zoom uh meeting since I, I went to a couple early on and i haven't in the past couple of months so I think that the one thing I've noticed is um, I do a lot of Zoom, a lot of FaceTime, um, whether it's work-related, whether it's, uh, you know, like a FaceTime date um, or uh, Refuge, and it's it's some connection. For me, personally, I feel like it's some connection, but I feel like it is lacking um, that next level of being able to see someone in person and see their body language and connect with them. and look into their, you know, eyes and not, like, have pixelated, like, Zoom Wi-Fi issues. It's just, it's just different. Um, It's not, it's not no connection, but it's not the same for me. Um, And so that's definitely been an adjustment. And then the other thing is I really strongly associate Zoom with work because we've done that, we've done video calls at work for years, and um, that's a hard thing to kind of I remember our, my first session with Paul, we did telether teletherapy, and I was like, this feels like I'm at work, not at a therapist appointment, so that was kind of an interesting thing for me. How's it gotten? it gotten better or worse? I think that it has gotten better, um, but I do still feel like it's missing, uh, especially with, um, you know, it's... I th- I think that like teletherapy can go really well. I think that connecting with people over Zoom can go well. We do like my family does like Zoom trivia. Um but I do still feel like it's like lacking that like next level of connection. I don't know if you guys agree with that.
0: Well, I I mean, I I I haven't done that. I haven't done games over Zoom, but we have done um some family gatherings. Um or we we face. I mean, I think we've used FaceTime too um, with my son who lives in Long Island, um, and then oh, I guess it was Zoom because my other son's up in Portland. So, and those have been kind of interesting. Actually, they they've been okay, and and it feels good to connect with them and with. Um, with my son in Long Island, I've done a few with he and his family, and it, it almost feels like we're in the same room. They're sitting there, um, you know, you know, with their whatever. They have some hors d'oeuvres or something out and, and a drink or something, and, and that we're talking as if, you know, we're all in the same room. And it felt really kind of – it felt different and, and a little awkward for a while, but then I started to get used to it like we were all kind of in the same place. And the more I do it, the more comfortable I get with it. So,
3: yeah. I feel like – now that I'm thinking about it with what you said, Paul, it kind of depends on the scenario for me, where with Refuge, we were always in person. So I understand that kind of lack of next level connection. But mm-hmm. then I have all these other relationships in my life that have actually grown in connection because of, I mean, COVID, because of people being at home more, or maybe feeling more lonely. A bunch of my girlfriends that I grew up with, since junior high. um, There's six of us that have done the Marco Polo now. And we had it before, but we rarely ever got on or used it. And now, you know, one of my best friends lives in England. Another one lives in Colorado. A couple live here, but we were all social distancing and not seeing each other. And so I feel the most connected, and we've all agreed to this, that we feel Mm -hmm. the most connected we have in years with each other because we all had some extra downtime. We all had things we you know anxieties or stresses that we wanted to talk to someone about and we weren't seeing as many people in person so we've really reached a next level connection that we hadn't had in a long time by doing that but i also wasn't as used to seeing them in person you know so it's it's an interesting dynamic of that really i mean one of my friends and i we have it just it's just the two of us and we said last week wow it just feels this is the one that lives out of the country Mm -hmm. We said, wow, it feels like we're just in the room Mm -hmm. talking and catching up with each other almost, you know, like almost that good. And so when you were talking about with your family, how it almost felt kind of intimate, you know, they were doing their thing, you know,
0: they were in their living room, They were in their living room. Yeah, exactly.
3: It was like a comfort piece, you know, and yeah, so so it is interesting depending on. But then other friends where I was having a lot of in-person connections with then not being able to and doing those over Zoom feel less so a bit but yeah Hmm. in a way it's been really great for some of the connections i was you know that probably kind of fell by the wayside a little bit the last couple of years with everyone's life happening you know so
0: so one of the things that that, uh, both of you guys said and and, and stood out to me um was you know you're grateful that you weren't in early recovery right now um i think Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no the, the, this is this is an interesting point. I'm I'm curious, um, what kind of stressors do you think are difficult right now for people in early recovery that may be different for someone who has long term recovery? What, what what do you what do you what do you think about that?
1: I think I think for me, I don't know. I look back to see what what really helped me in those early stages of my recovery was. Uh, Structure. Con, structure and conne- yeah connecting with people in person and, and, a, and that piece of accountability like I knew that I was going to have to go in and give a urine drug screen you know I knew I was gonna and, and as as I don't know I don't think that's trivial but that really that's what worked for me or like a huge component for me too was I knew if I relapsed then I wouldn't be able to play on the softball team that was a big motivating factor so there, there was this and and I and again this these are my kind of weird character issues, but um, the uh, the component of not wanting to let anybody down, like I would be like <coughs> mortified if I had to go into my IOP group and tell people that I relapsed. I mean, I just, that was not a, I wouldn't be able to do that. And, um, and so having that accountability, that structure component to it really is what I think got me over that initial hump until I really was able to get over that hump of just not just living in renunciation. But, you know, so get over that, that hump of just not staying away from it and then be able to start to work on the deeper issues, the reasons why I've wound up in that place to begin with. And, and then, you know, from there. But that initial early recovery, you know, when you're just fighting to just not uh, go drink or go use, um, really what helped me was that structure, that in-person connection. The accountability piece, and so I just look at people who are in early recovery right now, where that is probably not nearly um, as intense as it was when I when I went through. Some it. of those systems are not in those place. systems. Yes, thank Do you.
2: Are, I'm curious: uh-huh. are they doing IOPs right now, or are treatment centers doing IOP? Yeah, but they're they're all, most of them are Zoom, so it's yeah. <clears throat> I, I'd probably agree with you there, Brent. I think that um, the flip side of it is I know there have been a lot of times. Um, Where it's just been, you know, a uh, non-COVID time, and I've been basically at home for 30-plus days, feeling horrible, and also feeling like I'm missing out on life. So I think there could be um, an opportunity for some some people who are in very early recovery to kind of be like, hey, the world is kind of on pause right now. This is a good time for me to take the time I need to start feeling better physically, emotionally. Um so I think there is that kind of flip side to it but then I agree with you once you're kind of past that point having that structure and connection and um you know things to keep you busy uh is important and that would be hard right now
3: I think that hitting on both of those points a little bit one problem for me would have been I was forced to be isolated during this quarantine for the most part or The child care center I worked for closed and now self-isolation is actually healthy because I've gotten to a place where I can sit with myself comfortably. I can appreciate that time alone. But I want to say when I was in early recovery, I was still in the midst of a lot of shame over my Addiction, And it was really hard for me to be alone and sit with myself and be okay with it and not be triggered or want to numb that by drinking. So I would have been forced, you know, to isolate wouldn't have been this time. I, I used it as it was still wasn't always comfortable uh, this time around, but I think it would have been a lot harder for me in early recovery before I got into a place where I felt very comfortable being just by myself, being okay with that, coming up with some healthy things to do to keep me busy instead of self-medicating to get my mind off of being alone or the, you know, going through the cycle of what I felt guilt and shame about that Mm. I did in early recovery.
0: Yeah. By the way, I had a couple clients that uh, during this time, Decided that they were going to do a little bit of research and development. Uh, they they called it an experiment, <laughs> and uh, and you know to try to moderate some. some substance use and i'm laughing about it because i mean you know it's their choice it's their life you know i mean i make my recommendations as they are but um i, I understood you know they're thinking they, they were they're doing their best to be rational about it and it's easy to come up with the, you know you're just in denial about this but both of them went out and and uh Attempted to moderate their use and I think one was like three or four weeks and one was maybe six weeks and both of them ended up stopping Their use and and realized that it was not in their best interest and that the experiment um, was successful because it taught them that that you know, trying to moderate that in a time of this of, of stress and and isolation was not a really very good idea for them. So, I don't know what the outcome will be in the long run, but I just I found it almost as if they wanted to find out if they could normalize some things. And I thought well, also another part of it that I thought was interesting was, well, they thought that they could connect to people through that because a lot of people that weren't doing you know healthy social distancing were going out and and drinking and things. I mean, that's that's what at least. The, And I don't know if it's all true, but the the numbers, the increase in the numbers are speaking that, um, you know, certain social gatherings, especially around alcohol, have been, you know, a reason why some of the numbers increased. So anyway. Not surprising. Yeah, not surprising. Um, So, uh, Luke, what what is uh, FaceTime dating? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it yeah. sounded dirty after when you first said it up. <laughs> I mean yeah it can,
2: it can be dirty but um, <laughs> now typically it's hey just now. it's just like uh, you know you meet someone um, typically on the dating app and because of corona a lot of people are more reluctant to meet up uh, in person and myself included and so people will be like hey let's you know go on a FaceTime date and that can be anything from like a call uh where you just talk for an hour or whatever or 30 minutes if it's not going well <laughs> um 10
3: minutes five minutes
2: yeah or like a planned activity um you know you can cook a meal with someone where you're in their your house and they're in their house and um that's a great idea i hadn't thought of that <laughs> yeah it can, it can it can be fun um I, th- I know some people really enjoy that, they enjoy the, the pressure that it takes off of them of meeting someone in person and they can feel safe in their own home, uh, especially meeting up with someone for the first time or whatever. For me, it's kind of, um, I don't really enjoy it uh, nearly as much as I would just going on a traditional date.
0: Hmm.
2: Okay. Who knew, right? <laughs> Have you not done any FaceTime dates, Sarah?
3: Uh, I don't think so. Uh Oh. I've... (laughs) (laughs) I... Felt like there's a little
2: subcontext going on
0: here.
1: (laughs) No,
3: I'm just trying to think. I mean, I... No, I definitely haven't done any FaceTime dates. I've had some conversations recently about possibly doing, like, some Zoom-type dates, which I think is a good idea. But... I did do, I guess I've done a lot of talking on the phone, a lot of texting, things like that with dates where in the past that wouldn't have been a thing. It would have been, let's skip all this and meet in person, but there's definitely been more of that. I like the idea of the FaceTime date. I mean, it's probably better than just sitting and texting constantly, but...
1: I'm missing in-person dates. Outside of my webcam modeling, I really don't, um, no, I haven't done any FaceTime dating.
3: (laughs) I've gotten more comfortable and have been, I mean, as of recent, meeting up with people, which I think both of you have as well, right? What's
1: that website, which is for our listeners? Oh, yes, it's... uh,
3: (laughs) What's your handle business
1: was booming, it's live, starting live, to dwindle down a little bit. Right <laughs>
0: Sorry, all major credit cards accepted. All major credit cards accepted, perfect. All right, it's important to have a good sense of humor about these things. Um, all right, so as far as work goes, you're all Brent, you're already working at home. This is yeah. this is normal for you, yeah. Um, in fact, business as usual, as day one, that when you mm-hmm. you know started this a few years ago you yeah that nothing's changed right right yeah yeah Yeah. how about you luke what's it been like because i know you 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 were able to work at home because of the type of work you do um which you can talk about if you want but the the idea that you know everything with all of a sudden went home what was that transition like
2: yeah good question i have yeah I have a few comments on that so i do uh, software engineering um, so just by nature of kind of what that is um, you have to have meetings you have to talk to people but a lot of that can be done over Zoom or over a messaging app um, and so my work in and of itself was already remote friendly and a lot of people at my job um, utilized that and worked from home even uh, pre-corona um, what I've kind of realized As I've transitioned to more of a like exclusively work from home, is how much I miss the small doses of social interaction and connection you get throughout the day being in an office. Hmm. Um, Sarah said something earlier where she's like, you know, where I'm at right now in my life, I've realized um, how good I am at uh, sitting alone, being alone. What this whole thing, and you know, I I thought that I was at the same place, but there's a big difference between going to an office all day, and then going to the gym, and then being like, oh yeah, I can sit alone for three hours before I go to bed. (laughs) Then being like, I was literally alone (laughs) all day. (laughs) So it's kind of made me realize how much the little social interactions you get, uh, just being in an office, seeing other people, um, that actually kind of, uh, what would you say, like fills my glass, or kind of makes me feel uh, connected and, and makes me feel better. And missing that has been difficult Um, I do think that also it was hard for me from a work perspective it was harder for me to transition to like a. okay I'm going to focus at work for you know eight hours or six hours or whatever it is because I would find myself getting up a lot uh, doing things doing like a chore throwing some laundry and just things that I would not do if I were at the office and someone like Brent who's really accustomed to working from home probably has that whole dialed in uh, and I'm, I'm getting there, but it, it took some time for sure.
0: Hmm. All right. So your your work, are you still closed?
3: No, we reopened on June 22nd. Oh,
0: wow. Okay.
3: Yes. Yeah, so we've been reopened for almost a month now.
0: Are you back in, uh, I'm assuming you're back in the office? So then. I'm back.
3: Yep. Yeah. I work, so I work at a childcare center and we closed. We actually, our first day closed was Utah. We had an earthquake here in Utah that was decent size. So the center where I work is downtown and they were still having a lot of aftershocks there. So we closed because of the earthquake in mid-March and then we never reopened because that's when other things were starting to close down. So we were closed for a few months, about three months, and I was able to work from home a bit, but when you think of... I'm the business manager there, so you think when you actually have an open childcare center, there's a lot to do. I never had a dull moment at work. I had incredibly packed days. But being from home working was incredibly minimal. I mean, there's only so much you can do when you don't have an actual center that you're running with kids and parents and families Mm. and income. (laughs) So... So I I was very lucky in the fact that I was able to continue being paid throughout that time with the minimal amount of work I was doing at home but I honestly would have preferred a situation more like Luke or Brent where I was I was busier I had more mm-hmm. to do from home that was a hard, a hard adjustment for me I'm used to being busy I take a lot of pride. I have, you know, some, my work gives me some purpose and I really love it. Really? So, <laughs>
1: it's kind
3: of my thing. <laughs> I love my job so much. And I, that was really hard for me. And then the second I did by myself adjusting about a, a month later is when we reopened. And then I found myself readjusting to, you know, going back. We still only have about anywhere between 10 to 18 kids a day in the center we're typically at 85 to 90 a day so it's it's been a very slow transition back for all of us and
2: well
0: is that, that's so. partly because the are you guys in are you in the same building as the, the your the primary employer no no so you're, our yes yeah, so our client yeah.
3: we're just a couple blocks away from we're okay. a client-based center and They actually are only allowing 10% of their employees currently to go back and they're still giving them the option. So most of the families that are coming back are only coming back because they just want the kids, you know, they're ready to have that time where they can work from home in solitude without the kids there. It's not because they're all going back to work at once. Yeah,
0: they're not. That some of them are not even right in the building, but they're taking advantage of the service.
3: Yes, exactly. And the one good thing I have to say that we did during closure because all of our staff we were getting paid, still including our teachers, even though they didn't have a lot to do from home. We caught up on a whole year's worth of training from home. We wow. Yes, it was amazing. So weekly, we had training scheduled for all of us, including our teachers. We had story time that we did for our clients once a week so we switched off i did it once we had multiple teachers do it so once a week we would do a zoom story time and the families so from our client yes could come on with their kids and watch
0: oh what a great idea so it was
3: yeah we did as much as we could we would have even loved to do more but there's only so much with um, a client-based center it's a lot has to go through a lot of loopholes to get things accepted i understand so yeah. Yeah, story time, and we'd also do some of our teachers did some projects, like a science, you know, experiment or something on mm-hmm. Zoom. And for a while, especially at the beginning, we got we had really good turnouts, and uh, it could it, our client here locally or from other um, from other locations around the around the country too could tune cool. in. So cool. yeah, so I, I do think we did the most we could with the time that we had mm-hmm. so that that did help fill some space and connection for me too
1: okay how is uh how has the um tele telehealth and and doing therapy via zoom worked out for you uh,
0: that's uh, thanks for asking actually it's a really fascinating it's been a fascinating journey for me too that i never stopped working and i never stopped coming into the office the whole time. Um, the my client rate went down a little bit but not that much um and to be honest with you i still saw clients about half of my clients in person throughout all all of this and for many of them i was the only contact that they had because they were self-isolating or self-quarantined in their home for the most part some of them never went and i say this you know I, in, when this first all started, I was I was the one that was going do, doing most of the shopping, going to the Smiths or the Costco or whatever it was, and and um, and because of, partly I was just going to work, so I was already out. Um, the rest of my family pretty much stayed home. Um, my son, <laughs> my son works for um, a national uh, car wash company, and he <laughs> they they never stopped working either. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 not that I, I think it's funny that you know washing your car is a car is essential business or not, but <laughs> <laughs> I know some people would think it is. You know, having a clean car. So, um, but he, he got to he got to still work and um, and I I look I look at you know that and get being out and being connected and the one thing that stood out and I'll, I'll answer this, this question kind of in two parts is that the people that kept coming in um they were the ones that wanted to maintain some kind of human connection someone they could talk vulnerably with and share the things that they were experiencing and feeling and i had some people that would that would double up in upping appointments at times too like they'd come in twice a week um it was just having some contact and being able to talk through this um, the struggles and the anxiety and and quite often the depressive the depression that was setting in, but having so much time being isolated. So I intentionally did not stop seeing people and I know there are a lot of therapists that did um, that felt that everything had to go to telehealth or, or teletherapy. Um, I just followed you know the county guidelines and the state guidelines. Um, as far as how I saw people in the office And I still follow those guidelines You know, today um, And I mean, the transition of going to Zoom I've already been doing it for a while I mean, not Zoom but I have a, a, an encrypted um, video program Built into my um My uh, client management software for my practice, and so I felt really secure and safe with that you, you can't you can't break into it you can't there's no way to you know hack into that like with like with zoom as we've we've heard those great stories about people hacking into meetings at Zoom. i don't i 've never had a i don 't know if you guys have that's ever happened to you, but it definitely never happened to me yep. um even though sometimes I wish maybe it would um, but that's a whole other story um, <laughs> So I feel it really as comfortable um, talking to people over over video now. Um, it took, I I noticed that it, the sense of me getting better at it was me becoming more comfortable and as well as vulnerable with the clients as well. Um, instead of like just thinking it's just making a quick phone call kind of thing. So um, anyway, I I was really grateful for it and still am. I but only about a quarter of my clients now do do teletherapy um, and it, it varies depending on what's going on in their lives mm-hmm. so some some weeks it will be more this week it was probably like 40 percent so it just it changes week to week oh. alright we'll take a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment <laughs> and we're back okay um, w- one of the things that uh, I-, I wanted to finish up about um, regarding uh, my practice um, and the idea of always allowing myself to, to be available I, I did have concerns at times um, even though I was doing all the things we're supposed to be doing wiping surfaces down I know that there's that some of that changed I still between clients wipe the doorknobs down yeah it's almost just like becoming such a habit at this point so the the idea of wanting to have a safe environment becomes important and um, I want to respect the clients and because they, they all have sort of different levels of concern or worry or fear about um, kind of what's been going on and how, how you know, these changes and this, um, this uh, the coronavirus has um, changed the way the people interact. And we've been talking about that as far as, you know, how it's affected, you know, the traditional recovery. I mean, the Well, here in in Utah, I mean, or Salt Lake at least, Salt Lake County, um, you know, the Allen Oak Club closed down. It's opened back up again. It stayed open from what I understand. It did not close back down again when the county uh, stopped meetings of like 10 or more or something like that. Because I know the IOP I'm affiliated with did close back down. And we did everything on zoom but most of those groups you know average above 10 so that's probably why i don't know how they're doing that at the alano club but i know that a lot of people are grateful to go back to a meeting again like that so mm-hmm. and, but it's hard to control the amount of people so uh, there, you know I, again that's sort of beyond that in here um i wanted to create an environment where people felt safe um you know i and that they could you know if they wanted to wear a mask they could i mean i i do mdr with clients um which is a form of of um, trauma therapy and um i have both the client and myself wear masks they're doing that just because we're four or five feet apart and um it's just you know i think it's just for safety purposes um for me i mean I think it's it's probably the best thing to, to do under the circumstances. But I know everyone feels differently about this. Um, as far as, you know, the challenges that this has brought into your guys' life and, and maybe some concerns and fears that you've had, what, what have you personally been dealing with throughout this process?
2: Well, oh, Paul, one thing you just mentioned kind of made me think of, uh, I'm curious if any of you uh, guys have had this experience where there have been a few times where I've been almost shamed for not wanting to... Uh, go to an event. Uh, For example, yesterday I was invited to this pool party. There's 50 people RSVP'd to this pool party on Facebook, and I texted the host, and I was like, hey, I don't want to come to this coronavirus. That's a lot of people in one person's backyard. And she was really short with me and really kind of agitated that I wasn't going to come to this party because of coronavirus, and I just think that that is that response is is not the way to do it um kind of like you said paul everyone has different levels of comfort and i think you don't necessarily have to agree with uh where someone else is at but i think respecting where they're at and being empathetic is uh key during this time and that that's how we're all going to get through this because not everyone is on the same page about things and that's okay
3: I mean, I don't have that problem because I don't have that many friends, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're so full of shit. By the way, you can you can swear on here. just want to uh, let you know. Yes.
3: <laughs> I, but I, no, I have not been in, invited to any big group function, so that I have not had a problem with. But I strongly agree with you that the respect piece is huge right now because everyone's opinions are different. I'm not going to... I'm trying not to at least and I don't think I have judge people who do want to get to bit, together with a big group of people and they're not concerned or they don't want to wear masks but if I want to separate myself from that I feel like it should be equally respected so I totally agree with you on that but um, also no I have not I have not <laughs> had that personal problem yet unfortunately
0: <laughs> uh, I, I mean I, I agree with both of what you, what you guys said because it is, This really is about respect and and when it comes down to what an individual's comfort zone is on this, <coughs> it's important to for my obviously for for my business practice and my therapeutic practice as being a healthcare care provider um, to respect that person's wishes um, and, and well, as well as they, you know, would do the same and hopefully respect mine. No guarantees, though. And that that's OK. I mean, it, it's like I, I don't. Everyone hasn't doesn't have to look at it the same way I do, um, and they don't even have to think that people need to be respected either. But uh, that doesn't mean that I don't respect them. E- you know, I don't continue with what I think is, in some way, an important aspect um, of some of the challenges that we have as a, a species, as a race, um, and that is to find a way to be safe with each other, but also respect each other's boundaries at the same time. By the way. This is kind of off this, but we'll, I mean, a little bit Talk about boundaries and respecting people's boundaries This kind of shows, I mean, some of the conflicts that we hear about And, and this is normal within society You're going to have this, this is not like, this is nothing new, right? Like, we didn't have conflict and shaming just start recently <laughs> And people being disrespectful to each other, right? Yeah, yeah, anyway If you watch the news, it's been going on for Well, I see even before there was news Forever. <laughs> Forever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that, uh, well, for me, I, I really haven't, again, like Sarah, I haven't really had that opportunity to like have to really weigh in on, like, ooh, this might be too big of a gathering uh, for me to go to. I mean, we did have that, the one gathering for one of our friend's birthdays up at, up, but it was up the canyon, and, and there was probably, I don't know, 20 people there uh but i you know at first i was like oh because mm-hmm. this was kind of early on in the in the uh, when the pandemic hit i think it was in aprilish um may. maybe may, may i don't know maybe first of may and um so anyways i did have some reservations about going but then i also um you know weighed the risk reward component of it and um and then there got when it, when this thing first initially hit i was kind of a little i my anxiety Definitely was heightened. I was definitely had a lot of fear with it. And then I kind of came to a place of acceptance like you can't, I mean, because we're talking about a microscopic virus here. So, you know, to try to control it, um, you can only do so much, you know. And so I'm going to do everything I can, but I'm not going to be obsessive compulsive about it and, uh, and try, to, try to go about my day as normal as possible. But not, not again, not ruminate or obsess on it. If, if, if I happen to catch it, then that's just, you know, luckily I'm grateful that I don't have a lot of comorbid health issues. I'm, I'm a healthy guy. So I would hope that I would, uh, you know, deal with uh, getting infected by the virus well. And um, and so I didn't really, I, I got to a point where I just had to, I got to kind of an acceptance piece where it's just like, all right, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to wear my mask out in public and I'm going to, you know, wash my hands and, and do all of the recommended uh uh, things to to help prevent, but ultimately, I you know you can't control it. At, you can't control it, and so it's been it has been a kind of a valuable lesson for me in in not controlling thing or not trying to attempt to control things I can't control. Yeah, you know, and um, but yeah, it all comes down to that respect piece. You know, people are gonna feel differently about you know, what they, what their level of comfort is. And, um, you should respect that person's decision, you know, and if they're not, you know, blatantly, uh, you know, coughing in your face or anything like that, you know, uh, just, you know, be able to respect that people are going to have different views on, on how they're going to approach this thing. And you can just do what you feel comfortable for yourself and, uh, try to be healthy that way. Yeah. So. Yeah, give give space is needed, yeah, right? Yeah, space, I mean, yeah, space, I, And I mean, I'm talking
0: about emotional and, you know, mental and what, whatever it is, physical space that, that somebody needs. Yeah. I mean, as you noticed in here, we're, we're pretty well spread out. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Um, Brent, I think that, I mean, to that point, Paul, like I, when I go to the gym, because I have been going to the gym, they're still open. Fingers crossed that'll stay. I wear a mask uh, at the gym, but I would say I'm in the minority mm-hmm. there. Um, But I'm okay with that, um, just from the perspective of, like, um, that, you know, I don't think it's a mandate, uh, and so people can kind of do what they want, and I feel more comfortable wearing a mask, but I'm not going to get all all up in other people's faces about not wearing one. You know, I just try to maintain my distance, and if I go and it's too crowded or whatever, I'll walk out. Um, But the other thing you mentioned, which was the acceptance piece... I think that's actually been a super valuable thing I've also kind of come to terms with with this whole virus thing and with the the way that 2020 has kind of been playing out in general. And it's actually been super helpful for me to kind of just have that reminder that, you know, we're not in control of a lot of things, (laughs) Uh, especially a microscopic virus but really a lot of things in life and uh, being able to have that reminder and then apply that to other parts of my life uh for me has been very helpful in kind of finding a a greater level of peace as everything kind of seems to be a little bit crazy right now
0: i think that's really a valuable point um this idea of acceptance um you know uh to you know wax back into a little bit of 12-step mythology um the acceptance is the answer to all my problems today, and I, I truly believe that um, on on a deep personal level for myself that the more that I can practice consciously um, in the moment, accept uh, uh, a practice of acceptance, and that it means all anything, including myself, <laughs> accepting myself for what my process looks like and being my best not to judge myself during this. Um, because I, I've noticed that I've had, you know, diff- multiple of different feelings about different things and for different, different aspects, um, to some of the challenges associated with, uh, this, what, you know, want to call it a new normal or not, but it, I I do, I do agree with, you know, with, with you guys that uh, acceptance becomes such a, an important component of this. And, uh, um, I, I've, I, there've been a number of people that, uh, that I haven't – that are are not 12-steppers or um, uh, look at recovery necessarily or see life through a recovery lens that uh, um, have quoted the the serenity prayer to me, which is not – which is not actually – was not built, you know, was not created – Um, around recovery initially it was located around a sense of understanding personal responsibility and understanding what I have control over or and how do I deal with the sense of illusion of control that I can control anything outside of myself of course (laughs) and not to waste too much time trying to.
3: I was just going to say we've talked a lot about control as an illusion (laughs) and that's something that's been big for me to have to wrap my head around in my life in general so this was an extra challenge. With control for that, and I know a lot of people are similar. I also agree with Brent. Kind of for me, a big challenge was finding balance. What I had fear about with the virus and wanting to, you know, self isolate and be alone to make sure I didn't get sick or get any loved ones sick, but with the balance of for my mental health, I also need some connection. So, where you know, how do I find that? That took me a little while. And I think I've gotten to a decent place. There's still times I second guess. Am I doing too much or too little? But I know personally I made a choice to still see my family throughout. We were very careful, especially at the beginning, by keeping our distance, always being in, you know, the outside, in the backyard, things like that. But for me, living alone, it was, it was very important for my mental health to still see some people in person if they felt comfortable with it as Mm -hmm. well and Luke and I spent a lot of time together I said that earlier but he was one friend that I think we both kind of had to make a decision like are we comfortable being in the same house let's keep our distance you know we're not going to hug you know our our friends are we're all big huggers you know we see each other we leave you know or and so there were some few a few new normals to get used to but for me, I think I would have had a lot more challenges with anxiety and depression if I hadn't found a balance of incorporating some in-person connections during the time when I wasn't working. So hmm. for me, that's, that's been kind of a continued new challenge. I don't know.
0: Well, who's, who, who is, who's been in your bubble? You know we I, I talked to this I mentioned this before we started the, this idea of who's in the bubble. I mean, I mean I, I, it, it gets kind of strange in the beginning, I was like I wasn't even sure how close to get to my kids that didn't live with me, you know mm-hmm. I mean I, and and i'm I'm probably again again, when it comes to identifying healthy boundaries, um, and there there becomes this idea of how best. To um, you know, live life under the certain uh, live life in this world right now under these circumstances, so that um, I'm being responsible and respectful, and and what do I what do I allow into into my bubble? So that I, I, I agree with Brent that you know if I were to get this, if I haven't already, that um, I would probably you know do fine with it um, as far as my health goes. I do I do have pre existing conditions that would probably um, be effective, you know, would, would put me in a, in a, in a risk a, in a risk uh, group, but I, I don't think those things are, are necessarily accurate um, for me because of my other health and, and how my diet and exercise and those kinds of things, though exercise has changed slightly during this uh, last <laughs> few months. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has had that issue or not, but I have a little bit. Anyway. Um, new normal. Let's talk about that. What's, what's the new normal? Uh, what, what, do you guys, what are you guys' thoughts about that?
1: Well, I think the new normal, I guess. I, I don't know. To go back to, I guess the new normal is like, it kind of relates to who do you, who do you keep in your bubble, you know, and, and how do you interact with those good, people? Good, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, like, uh, my bubble definitely includes my family, but like I haven't hugged my mom since March, you know, I just cuz she's got pre-existing conditions and heaven forbid I would infect her if I've been exposed to it. So I mean there's that, but that doesn't mean, yeah, and that's a bummer that you can't hug your own mom, but that doesn't mean you can't still, you know, interact with her, you know. So I still see her, you know, 3-4 times a week and um and you know keep dis- keep my distance and stuff, but I guess in my bubble would be uh, family, and then of course, obviously, my recovery community has been in my bubble. And um, to Sarah's point too, the an upside to this whole uh, the pandemic is some of my friends that live in other states. We've actually started having Zoom happy hours, uh, so quote unquote happy hours because you know <laughs> they'll be drinking, you know, in Atlanta and Idaho, but I won't be. But you know, we're all able to come together, you know. And, uh, and that's something like a couple of them, I haven't seen their faces in, you know, several years. And now with getting together via Zoom to do a, a group friend, you know, happy hour, I get to interact with them. And that, those relationships have definitely grown. And so that's kind of been one of the positives that's come out of it is uh, those people are now more in my bubble than they were before via the technology and via the reason to get together. And so that's been cool. Um but the new normal, I guess for me, I don't know. I, I think the one thing too, is like I haven't been in the yoga studio f- since March. Um, they have opened back up, but I'm still not at my comfort level to go practice in the studio. and so I've just been doing their online. I mean, they opened up the studio online and you can just do a session online. I just do it in my kitchen, you know, as opposed to having to go to the studio. And it's actually been more convenient <laughs> in a lot of ways because <laughs> it saves it saves me time, right? You know, instead of a two hour yoga trip, you know, you know, with commute and 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 being there and leaving and, and everything, you know, you can bang it out in an hour in your kitchen. So uh, that's been a change, and uh, I think as as time passes, though, I think I will work my way back into actually going into the studio, and uh, like I haven't wanted to go to the gym like Luke and. Um, so I've been exercising at home, you know, and so that's kind of become a normal for me. Um, but yeah, I think really just having an awareness of respecting how everybody else is uh, feeling about it that's around you and respecting those boundaries is, is got to be kind of at the forefront of, of our minds. So as to not continue to create conflict around an already very chaotic time. Hmm. So Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, and if
0: you want to do hot yoga, you just turn the A.C. off and you do it in front of the, the, the a big window. Yeah.
1: I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I actually <laughs>
3: used to do First that. I used
1: oven to turn... Up, open, open up the oven. I, tur-
3: I used to turn on my space <laughs> heater. No joke.
1: Well, when uh, I went in yeah, the avenue,
3: it was an old house, so the air didn't travel upstairs uh-huh. much anyways. So I would upstairs, turn off the AC, and I would turn on my little space heater in the room Mm -hmm. to do to make my own hot
1: yoga. That's awesome.
2: I like that, and then you can just justify being cheap too because people walk into your house and are like, "Luke, why aren't you running your AC?" You're like, "Oh no, it's just hot yoga." Uh, (laughs) It's a hot yoga studio. Really hot yoga. Hot yoga mode.
0: (laughs) 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 Good stuff. All right, I'm I'm curious. Is there anything that you guys have uh, noticed or or done that, um, like, is there any type of music that you found yourself listening to um, or TV shows or something that you found yourself watching that... um, you know, you found therapeutic that was maybe different before uh, the 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 whole COVID thing. So, like last five or six months, um, any anything that you personally have um, been doing or listening to or watching that has uh, been helpful. Um, there are some interesting things that I, I've I've watched, and I I stopped. One of the things I wanted to say is that I kind of stopped watching. <laughs> Documentaries right now um and i and I understand why i I made this choice um but it was really different when I thought about it because I used to watch a lot of them, and right now I'm just not that I'm not taking that same kind of information in um i I want things that have more stories to them maybe and mm-hmm. and more about human connection and there's that's not true I have probably watched a few documentaries um but I've also my some of the music that I've been listening to. Um, I've I've noticed I've been changing and opening up to other types of music that maybe I, I wasn't naturally or normally listening to. Have you guys
2: noticed anything like this? Like what kind of music, Paul?
0: Well, I'm doing. Um, I'm probably listening to more uh, hip hop and uh, more dubstep than I probably have listened to in the past. Yeah.
3: Do you think it's because it's upbeat? <laughs>
0: Part, partially, yeah, and I'm, I'm I am choosing, but I have always wanted to expand out that that area, um, in my, in my repertoire.
2: I don't even think my parents would know what dubstep is, so that's <laughs> cool, Paul. That you know what that is. <laughs> of course, he does, Paul. Well, I, I
0: am I am a musician, so you know. I guess I, but not all musicians, I guess you know. Anyway, I have, I have young children that, I mean, one of the greatest things that happened to me is, and I, I don't know if i ever said this before on here, but my son introduced me to Anderson Pack, and that, that basically changed my life in some ways, because it opened up a whole area of, of music that I, I had a bias about that I was completely wrong about. So, nothing like the truth.
3: <laughs> I, 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 one thing, sorry we're all looking at each other right now, going, who's going? One thing I noticed that I stopped doing is reading as much which is very interesting Uh, yeah we so a few of us uh have a book club mm -hmm. and at the last meeting we we did some zoom meetings throughout this time and then a couple weeks ago we decided to go back to an in-person we did someone's backyard Mm -hmm. and sat at a distance and it was interesting because most of my life i've been a pretty avid reader and right before all this happened I, I mean I went on vacation to visit my parents in Palm Springs while they were staying there for the winter a couple times and I read I think two books each trip you know I was very much in a reading zone because I can kind of go in and out of it so the, the books we chose during quarantine and I had ample time to be reading I did, didn't read and I didn't even read the book I chose I mean I read, I read some of it <laughs> but not nearly as much Is I had time to do so that was kind of something interesting and we talked about that at book club a little bit how We all had the time and for some reason every time I sat down to read I just uh, And I I just wasn't and I don't know I'm, I'm still not really sure why but that was something I kind of gave up a little bit that I'm I'm not sure it was easier for me to turn on an episode on Netflix or something, and kind sure. of drown out everything yep. that's going on. Yep. Um, especially because the books that what was the book called Brent that we were that I
0: chose. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect question. I love it. Yeah, well, remind me of what I thought about what, reading. What was that? I, yeah, yeah.
3: The joy. Something with joy.
1: I, I want for some reason I want to say the art of joy, but I don't think it was the art I of don't joy. Either. It was. Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> Anyways, it's. Uh, the Archbishop
1: yeah, and, Arch the Bishop, oh, and the Dalai yeah, yeah, Lama. Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. And their book about... I think yes, it might be just the book about joy or the book on joy or something. Yeah. It's very kind of innocuous title, but yeah. yeah. I made it through most of that book, and it was it was a good read. So uh,
3: The Book of Joy. Yeah, The, the book, book of, of joy. joy. There you
1: go. I was right. <laughs> All right. <So> <laughs> and
3: I did read some of it, and I really enjoyed it, but for some reason, because... it, And it probably... I, from what I did read, it applied a lot to... That mindfulness, uh, wow, and compassion. Things that I could have really used (laughs) in my quarantine time. But instead it was easier for me in my head to just turn on... My thing has been British crime dramas lately. And that's not totally out of the norm for me, but for some reason I watched. Broadchurch and then that just expanded into mm-hmm. Netflix or you know suggesting a bunch of I, others
0: I, 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 I'm a big Broad church fan I, <sighs> I watched them when they came out it and, was
3: so good I find yeah. it keep yeah anyway so so that's kind of what I've been doing and I watched an excessive amount of Netflix I noticed at the beginning of my quarantine and that dwindled and evened out and I didn't watch as much after the first couple weeks I I think I thought I'm home so I can just do this and I can Mm -hmm. watch all these series that I've been wanting to watch and then I got a more productive routine Mm -hmm. going, adding my yoga from home and now that I'm back to work I'm back into not really doing much exercise. So (laughs) I have to figure out my routine all over again now.
1: (laughs) For me, I one thing once sh- when you mentioned TV show, one thing that I started watching that's been it's been awesome is uh, and it's just something I'll turn on like right at the very right as I'm trying to you know right as I'm getting ready for bed is that the sitcom Community that yeah, was on a, I don't know it was on one of the major networks for several years mm-hmm. and you know about the the study group at the community college yeah, and, and yeah. the shenanigans they get into. And so that's been thoroughly enjoyable because it's just kind of mindless but funny. But also it's a, it's a show that is about relationships. And, and it community, is about, actually, yeah. Yeah, and it is about, you know, uh, you know love, um, the, the love that they, they share and the, the concern for well-being for one another. And so community's been good. But, one, but as far as music goes, um, I finally watched, and this is, I finally watched The Last Waltz. Uh, the oh, documentary, man, Martin Scorsese, about the band, yeah. which is about the music group, The Band, yeah. and I've heard, you know, um, a, I had, I was familiar with a couple of uh, songs from the band uh, before I watched the documentary, and then I watched the documentary, and the band is an amazing musical group. I can't, and so I've been listening to a lot of the band, <laughs> so that's something that's happened uh, during this time, and uh, yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm really enjoying that, so.
2: Yeah, I don't think my uh, media consumption has changed too much. I'm not huge into TV and and movies, um, and that didn't really change with uh, coronavirus. And my music is still essentially the same same stuff. <laughs> um, so that's that's me.
0: Hmm. All right. All right. Closing thoughts. I think uh, I think we're about ready to to wrap this up, unless someone has a. A burning thought or issue that we didn't bring up today.
2: No, I just I, I, just know for me what I'm going to try and what I've kind of realized uh, during this podcast um, is moving forward, um, you know, the acceptance and, and whatnot that we talked about is very important for accepting the present. And one thing I know I need to work on um, is just uh, trying to not let fear about what might happen in the future uh affect me too much because I feel like there are so many unknowns for everything um, on so many levels, right? Uh, Personal levels, government levels, virus levels. (laughs) Like, we don't really know what the next six months to a year to three years is going to look like. And I think that um, for me, if I can just try to be aware of when fear starts creeping in and starts driving my Thought patterns and decisions, decision making. That's that's when it's time to uh, check in with myself. That's kind of my what I'm going to try to do going forward. Hmm. So with that, I mean that's a really good point. I know we talked a little
0: bit of this, but because there are unknowns in some ways, and maybe learning to live with unknowns becomes you know part of the acceptance piece. You know, learning how to accept life the way it is. No, realizing that there are going to be unknowns but coming to learn to you know about our fears that's probably one thing that's i think has happened is you know whatever the basis of our fears are you know about life in generally they get projected maybe in a moment like this mm-hmm. you know they kind of get and 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 can get blown up if if we don't know how to you know process through them and you know kind of accept i guess aspects of things about life that you know begin back to that inability to be able to <laughs> control everything around me <laughs> it just doesn't happen anyway thanks for bringing that up Luke.
1: yeah I, thanks luke and thanks for being here with us we appreciate it um uh hopefully we can do yeah no it's been good <laughs> um no closing thoughts i think is just good, good, um, good to have you one thing that i've been trying to and this goes along with what we've been talking about is the acceptance piece of it but One thing that's been and it's a principle that uh, I was exposed to through refuge recovery that that's made a lot of sense to me in my life is that, you know, happiness is not uh, so much, you know, pleasure seeking and and having pleasure in your life. But happiness is really uh, acceptance and contentment. And so just, you know, every day trying to look for that contentment piece of my life. And, and of course, that goes along with being, uh, you know, being grateful and, and, and uh, being mindful of the things that you're, you have gratitude for. And, um, you know, just trying to move forward in this in this chaotic time with uh, a mindset of acceptance and contentment.
3: I love that. I, my final thought was going to be directed kind of towards gratitude because that was something I didn't bring up earlier, but that really helped me. During some of this time, I April was kind of a more rough month for me. And so in May, I chose to do, I've done gratitude journals before, but I chose in May just to be a little bit more um, held accountable or something. I started a social media gratitude post per day, and it could be anything. I was thinking some of them were big, some of them were small, but whatever I could find because I had been having a hard time kind of adjusting to some of that self-isolation and kind of what was the new norm for me at the moment and so I did a you know gratitude per day and I'm not necessarily going to do that on social media again but I Mm. that really helped start my days in a positive direction I've done them at night but I feel like for myself starting my day with gratitude made a lot of change for the positive in my mindset overall for the day and it's easy it has it was easy for me to get caught up in the negative especially with all of the you know news coverage and things i was i'd be reading in the middle of the night when i couldn't sleep and things like that and it was really hard at times for me to find some of the positive and silver linings and so i think that's something that i'm taking out of today is that i would like to start getting back to my gratitude journal or just you know naming something in the morning early before I go to work and finding something to set my day around and hopefully that will kind of get me back in a better a better frame of mind with now having new challenges being back at work too and some of those new normals that have been a little hard hard for me to wrap my head around so
0: that's my final thought. Final thought. Final Beautiful. Thought. Thank you, guys. Um, that also brought up this idea of the importance of gratitude, but also, the I know for my, myself recently, being able to, or at least acknowledge and sort of step back, and this, this idea of being able to be in the moment also allows the, the concept, or at least the premise of um, humbleness, to come in. Um, to uh, be honest and accept that um, things in life are, are not permanent and um, things can change in any moment and to appreciate this moment right now.
3: Are you saying impermanence and non-attached appreciation, Paul? <laughs> <laughs>
0: As a matter of fact, I I am. Sorry, had to. <laughs> Which, of course, we have talked about quite a few times in this group. So anyway, and we will, of course, again, and this is maybe a a moment to really practice that even more. So I'm but I'm saying that to me. I mean, that uh, to remember the importance of impermanence. And non-attachment appreciation. All right, thank you. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We'll be back in, uh, say, about six weeks or so. Um. <laughs> Perfect. All right, uh, we'll go out as we usually do with the little Joan Osborne. Have a good week. Bye.